When you are born again, you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And at the time of your new birth, you are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. You know, and you're taken out of darkness. You are immersed then into the body of Christ. And you have the Holy Spirit within you at the time of the new birth. The scripture talks about, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, praise God, if you're saved, you're born of the Spirit and the Spirit lives in you. And Jesus said very emphatically that the Spirit of God would be with you, but He would also be in you. Amen. And so there is the work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. And really, when you think about it, it is for character development. You and I should be highly developed in the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in love. Walking in temperance. Walking in joy. Walking in kindness. Amen. We should not be then yielding to the lust of the flesh when we're serious about being born of God and having the Spirit of God on the inside of us. He is the Holy Spirit. He is our holy guest. And He is working, 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 working the plan of God in your life. Now, Jesus said that this experience of salvation would be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And this well of water speaks of the life of God. And how many of you know that a well primarily is used for your benefit? You know, Brenda's farm there in Pawnee, Oklahoma, Skeety, Oklahoma had a well on it. And so they would be beneficiaries, if you would, of that water that came out of the well. But then Jesus spoke of another experience of not only having the spirit within you, but the spirit up on, up on. In Acts 1.8, he says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. There's a difference between having the Spirit upon you and the Spirit within you. I'll guarantee you, you want them both. And there is an experience which follows the new birth that is available to all believers called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus said of this in John 7, verse 37 through 39, I want you to read that with me. Notice what he says in John, the seventh chapter. And uh, I'll read it to you in verse 37 uh, through 39. He said, In the last day, that great day of the feast, that Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, now notice this, let him come to me and let him drink. So this is something that he's not imposing on us apart from our own will. But he says, look, if you're thirsty, come on. How many of you are thirsty? Well, come on. Come on. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now notice verse 38. Read it with me, if you would, please. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, what? 
out of your what? Out of your innermost being is going to flow rivers of what? Is there a difference between a river and a well? Whereas the well is for our benefit, the river is for other people's benefit. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Come on, somebody. And wherever the river flows, people are healed, people are saved, people are blessed, people that are down are lifted. Verse 39. He spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him, those that have already received the Spirit within, received Jesus, should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Say it with me. The Spirit within... And the, and the Spirit upon. Now notice me what, what Jesus said in Luke chapter 3 verse 16. Actually John said it. John, uh, Luke three sixteen, He says, John answered to them all and said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's somebody else coming. And the latchet of whose shoes I can, I'm not even worthy to unloose. Notice, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? With the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, question mark. Who's the baptizer in the last part of that verse? Amen. And who would he baptize? Me. And what are we being baptized with? We are being baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. I submit to you today that not only do we need the wind, not only do we need to speak in other tongues, not only do we need the refreshing of the Spirit, but we need the fire of the Holy Ghost. I'm praying for fresh fire on my life. I'm praying for fire, fire, fire on your life. Fire catches. Fire does some awesome things. Fire consumes things in our life that shouldn't be there. But I want you to know you get enough baptized Holy Ghost people baptized in the fire of God. Fire spreads. And I'm telling you, there's a fire that needs to be spread in the United States of America. There are some things that need to be burned out and burned up. There needs to be a purifying taking place. And I'm calling all hands on deck. Every one of you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire and praying fervently for an awakening in our nation. Come on, somebody. Woo. I need the fire of God. There was a day when Norval Hayes, a great faith teacher, was asked to preach on a Sunday morning. He said, I can't go and preach for you because I've got to go to the Tennessee Volunteers football game. Well, he sat in the church the afternoon and started praying. And the Holy Ghost came upon him. And he said, by the time the Holy Ghost and fire was done with him, football was burned out of him. Amen. And I'm telling you, there might be some things that need to be burned out of me and burned out of you. I say, let the fire fall. Let your fire consume anything that is not of God in our lives. And let it be replaced with holiness and sanctification. I know I'm preaching good now. Preachers preachers such as William Seymour from the Azusa Street Revival and C.H. Mason and B. Cashwell did not view the baptism of the Holy Spirit simply as a momentary experience of empowerment. They saw it as an introduction into a life of holiness and consecration. 
They expected the baptism of the Holy Spirit to transform weak, hesitant, sin-sick churchgoers into courageous, impassioned, holy, fire-breathing disciples. Woo, glory to God. I didn't call you sin-sick. But the question I have for you this morning is, where do you stand? Where do you stand? You may never have asked God to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Or perhaps you had this experience, but you recognize now that your fire has been left to smolder. Perhaps the flame burned brightly at one point, but you became distracted by life's challenges. Perhaps you had a moral failure. Or perhaps you dipped your foot into carnal pleasures and kept going back for more. Lulled into spiritual apathy with the encouragement of a hell-bent culture. And I know that's strong. But there are times where it needs to be strong. You understand that the world around us is hell-bent. You can't even turn on the television without getting the spirit of this age's agenda. I mean, homosexuality, adultery, stealing, lying, theft. I'm telling you what. We need people to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Don't leave the house now. Baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire. Jesus said, I've got some clothing for you guys. In Luke 24, 49, he says, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem without this experience. He said, now tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued or clothed with power from on high. And that's exactly what they did. He promised them that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And then he said, as a result of receiving this power, you shall be my witnesses wherever you go, wherever you walk, I'll walk with you. Wherever you go, I'll go with you. I'll anoint your mouth. I'll anoint your lips. I'll live in you. You will live in me. And it'll be a witness for the glory of God. In in Acts chapter 2, let's look at that verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. Pentecost means 50. And Pentecost designates the 50th day after Passover. Pentecost refers to the Old Testament Feast of Weeks. And it was a festival, a religious holiday, that occurred at the beginning of the wheat harvest And was a display of thanksgiving to the Lord for His provision. And what the children of Israel would do at the beginning of this glorious feast of Pentecost, the festival of of weeks, is they'd take two barley loaves and they'd wave it before the Lord in joy and celebration for what they had. And they also knew that there was more to come. The day of Pentecost or the feast of Pentecost was also during the time that the law was given on Mount Sinai. I'm telling you on Mount Sinai there was fire, there was lightning, there was some things moving and there was things shaking. And the feast of Pentecost was simply a foreshadowing of what was to come on the day of Pentecost. It was the inauguration of the church where not only a few people would be saved and a few people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but many, many people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and go out into the world and reap a harvest for the glory of God. Are you listening to me? 
It was complete with rushing wind, flames of fire, and astounding displays of glossolalia, which means speaking in other tongues. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and they weren't in a Honda. And by the way, there were 120 in that upper room. It wasn't just the disciples. Mary was there. Other disciples were there. It wasn't just for a few. It was for whosoever will. And suddenly, everyone say suddenly. The Bible says there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. Read the next verse with me. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, what an awesome thing. You will find over and over again in the book of Acts. That speaking with other tongues accompanied people receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now listen very carefully. In the modern church, we have a very strange way of treating Pentecost. Which falls seven weeks after Easter each year. Even those of us who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and wear the label of being charismatic and Pentecostal rarely commemorate it. Neglecting to place importance on a date that often gets lost between Mother's Day and Memorial Day. Listen carefully. A study of fast-growing denominations in the 1990s showed that only 25% of new members, uh, of, of the members of some Pentecostal churches, claimed to have received this gift. Now, I know that there's more than that, in this church. But I'm out for 100%. And by the way, if you don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's fine. And for those of you who are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're no better than your neighbor. It is not just for an elite few and we are not to get a superiority complex because we speak in other tongues. Are you listening to me? I'm telling you, the body of Christ is made up of good Catholic people, good Baptist people, good Methodist people, good denominational people. We are no better. But once you receive the light, and once you understand that this baptism in the Holy Ghost is for you, and it will empower you to live a holy life, and empower you to be a witness, and fire you up for the glory of God, you must receive the light and walk in it. I know it's the truth. It is the truth. Look at your neighbor and say it's the truth. You know, the Bennetts were used mightily in the 70s about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They wrote a book and they said this. When a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it does not mean that he has arrived spiritually. Don't ever yield to the enemy's temptation to cause you to feel superior. Pray for the fruit of humility. They said it's a good antidote. The Holy Spirit's baptism is just the beginning of a new dimension in your Christian life. And it's still up to you whether you will grow or regress. It's the truth. Now I want to look this morning at some scriptures. And I want to 
ask ourselves the question, first of all, what is the baptism in the Holy Ghost? What is it? Well, number one, it is a gift. In Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13, notice this with me. He said, if a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, egg, will he for an egg give him a scorpion? He said, if you then be natural or evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. Now notice. How much more shall your heavenly Father give who? Come on, class, we can do a little bit better. Give who? To them that what? If we ask Him for the Holy Spirit, the question is, what will we receive? Will we receive some sort of a demon? How about a weird gift? No, you can be assured that you will not receive a substitute for the Holy Spirit, but you will receive the gift of God. At Pentecost, Peter stood up and he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, 45, the Bible says that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. The next question I want to ask, we've established the fact that the Holy Spirit is a gift The next question I want to ask, is the baptism of the Spirit for believers in this day in our time? Is it for us right here, right now? I believe that it is. I believe that Jesus makes it very clear that it's for all believers from everywhere, from any denomination, until He returns. Now, I want you to notice what Joel said in chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. You got your Bibles there, don't you? Now, I want you to notice this from the book of Joel, verse 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon only those that are goody two-shoes. I will pour out my spirit on tithers only. I will pour out my spirit on Hispanics only. I will pour out my spirit on African Americans only. I will pour out my spirit on Asian and Caucasians only. No, he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon how many? All flesh. And now notice this. And your sons and your daughters... Shall prophesy. So the baptism with the Holy Spirit isn't just for men. I think more men need to get a hold of him. We could use more men in our prayer meetings. Just saying. But he says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. I'm kind of in between. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaid in those days, he said, I will pour out of my spirit. Dear brothers and sisters, did you know that you can be 102 years old and still receive the infilling of the spirit? Did you know 
that before your babies start walking, that they can speak in other tongues. I believe with all of my heart that this mighty outpouring of the Spirit is for all mankind, and it doesn't matter what age you are. Now, sitting on the front row is Pastor Nancy. We love Pastor Nancy. She is an awesome woman of God. And Pastor Nancy has served in this church longer than Pastor Brenda and I have been in this church. We'll be celebrating 30 years in June, and she's been here about 32 or 33. Awesome. But for 17 years, she nurtured our children in children's church. And did an awesome job. And taught and preached. And she didn't wait to preach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit until they got up to youth age and went to youth camp. She preached the Holy Ghost and fire to those kids. Glory to God. And I tell you, there was a continuous outpouring of the Holy Spirit with your sons and your daughters speaking in other tongues. An awesome experience. I can remember Brenda and I going to the Philippines in the 80s. And we did a pastor's conference, and we did night crusade meetings. It was awesome. And during the day, we did children's meetings. We had Michael and Sue Bryan with them. And in years after that, we did more. And I think Pastor Nancy went to the Philippines, and others went to the Philippines. And it was just so awesome. Brenda and I went to one of the afternoon meetings after the pastor's conference in the morning. And they taught on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I wasn't quite prepared at what I saw. I tell you, the Holy Ghost fell on those children. And they were falling under the power. I mean the real power. Not someone coming along slapping them and saying, bam. Not someone knocking them over. With their supposed authoritative boldness. But I'm talking about the real Holy Ghost. The real presence of God. The real fire of God. Coming upon those children, they're just falling under the power and speaking in the tongues of men and of angels. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. You see, in foreign lands, there is a receptivity to the things of the Spirit that America needs. There is an openness to miracles and the miracle worker in other nations that America will tap into. You see, there's a lot less intellectualism and a lot less trying to figure it out up here. They're desperate for God. They've got to have a touch of God. If God doesn't show up, they're gone. And I'm telling you, I believe that this church is coming up several notches and that kind of hunger and that kind of an attitude to where we understand that there's nothing too big for our God. And that we're just, and I'm doing it too, folks. I haven't arrived. I'm opening up my heart and I'm saying, God, I want more of you. Fill me again and again with the fullness of your spirit. And so this glorious experience, it's for young and old. It's for old men and young women. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, I want you to notice this and read it with me. It says, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, 
even as many of the Lord our God shall call. And so God is calling you to be filled with the Spirit. Those of you who have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, He's calling you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Those of you who have sort of been stuck a little bit spiritually, He's calling you to be filled with fresh fire. Those of you who are a little stuck on your ladder of spiritual growth because of certain things that have weighed you down, the Lord is saying, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. I'm calling you to a place in me where you will be filled with all the fullness of God. And when you are filled with all the fullness of God, you will rise above those things that have been holding you back. I know it's good. Listen to this quote from A.B. Simpson. This man lived from 1843 to 1919. He said this, No man is fitted for the humblest service in the church of God until he receives the divine baptism of the Holy Spirit. The mother needs it in the nursery. The Sunday school teacher needs it in his class. The preacher, sure enough, needs him in his pulpit. You see, without him, we can do nothing. The soul winner needs it in his dealings with the inquirer. And the saint in the ministry of prayer in the secret closet. He said, there is no truth that needs to be more emphasized in this age of smartness and human self-sufficiency than the imperative necessity of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the condition for all effective Christian work. Are you listening to me? That's way back hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So first of all, the baptism is a gift. Secondly, it's an endowment from power, of power from on high. How many of you could use some new clothes in the natural? I mean, just be honest about it. Women, do you like to go shop and get yourself some new clothes? I know that I always strut a little bit better when I got some new threads on, you know what I mean? Everybody likes to look good for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. But I think that God wants to give us some new clothes spiritually. He wants to clothe us with a fresh anointing. It's like the, the, the David said. He said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. You see, Jesus... Before he went out into public ministry, the Bible said that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And when the Father saw that Jesus had the Spirit of God upon him, he was well pleased. And when he went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, he declared, it is written three times to the enemy, he used his authority in the Word of God and put the devil on the run. And then the Bible says... He returned in the power of the Spirit. And he went into a synagogue one morning and he stood up for to read. And here's what he said. He opened the book of Isaiah in 61 and he said, now listen, the Spirit of the Lord is up on me. The Spirit of the Lord is up on me. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come up on you. The same Spirit of the Lord that was up on Him is up on you. 
Yes. So the Spirit of the Lord's on me. Yes, because He has anointed me to do all of these wonderful things. Listen, I'll quote Acts 10.38 to you. Listen to this verse. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. I submit to you that Jesus did nothing apart from the Father's will and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said that he laid aside all of his divine privileges and he became as we were so that we could become as he is. Now that is something else. He did not walk this earth ministering as God. He walked this earth ministering as the man of God, the God man, Jesus of Nazareth, Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, anointed with the Holy Ghost. And that same anointing is already in you in the new birth. And that same anointing is waiting to come up on several of you. On this glorious celebration of Pentecost Sunday. I'm telling you what glory to God. The devil is shaking in his boots. And he should be. Because once power from on high comes upon you. It'll turn you into another person. And it'll not only enable you to speak supernaturally in a language unknown to your mind. But when this power from on high comes upon you. It'll burn addictions right out of you. I said it'll burn things out of you that have been that have been in your lives for years. It'll burn it right out of you and you'll be turned into another man. You'll be turned into another woman. It'll burn gossip right out of you. It'll burn it'll burn pornography right out of you. It'll burn alcoholism. It'll burn smoking them little cheap joints right out of you. You don't need the most low high when you got the most high up on you. I said you don't need a little low high when you got the most high up on you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. It's time for a fresh anointing. It's time for a fresh feeling. It's time for Pentecost to fall on the Bay Area. It's time for Pentecost to permeate the USA. Jesus. P.C. Nelson. A man of God. That was in the first portion of the move of God with the assemblies of God. Who wrote a book called Bible Doctrine said, Without his presence, the believer is devoid of, of power as a dead locomotive with neither fuel, water, or steam. The fact, this fact was abundantly demonstrated in the experience of the apostles before and after they were baptized in the Spirit at Pentecost, he says, this is the normal experience of believers today. Tony and his team go out and win people to Jesus Christ by the hundreds every year. 
by the thousands every year. But they don't leave their prayer room without a fresh endowment of power from on high. They don't go out in their own strength. Listen, friends. We face a society that is hell-bent. We cannot go out into this world and become world changers without the same spirit that the apostles had. We must have fire. We must have holy anointing from on high. We've talked for weeks about how He will help you. He'll comfort you. He'll help you in a time of temptation. When you need counsel, He'll be your counselor. When you need strength, He'll be your strengthener. When you need prayer, He'll be your intercessor. He's living on the inside of you. Oh, how we need Him. Oh, how we need Jesus. Oh, how we need Jesus to baptize from pulpit to pew everyone anew with the Holy Ghost and fire and Holy Ghost power. Open up your heart and say, Lord, fill me, baptize me with fresh fire on high. Fill me with the Holy Ghost and power and fire. Anoint us, O God, with fresh oil. May there be a refreshing sweep across our church. Sweep across Hayward. Sweep across Oakland. Thank you for your clothing. Thank you for the cloth of your holy anointing and of your Holy Spirit. Say it like you believe it. I shall. I am being. Even in this service. I'm being anointed with fresh oil. And so this baptism is a celebration. We celebrate it Pentecost Sunday next week. Come on, somebody. It is a gift. It is an endowment from on power, from a high, uh, from on high. But also, the question is asked, well, Pastor Mark, why should I be filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. Turn quickly to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. How many of you want to operate in the wisdom of God? Oh, Shekab Asad, the spirit of wisdom comes upon you in the new birth and in the infilling. Notice with me in verse 17, it says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but get an understanding of what God's will is for your life. So how many of you don't want to know what the will of God for your life is? Okay, that's three of you. Thank you very much. No, I'm just kidding. First of all, get rid of the wine. You don't need wine. You don't need beer. You don't need alcohol. It's a cheap substitute for the most high. I've been high on the best drugs in this world, but there ain't no high like the most high. Be not drunk with wine. You don't need it. You lose good sensibility when you get on that stuff. Bad things start looking good to you. It drives you nuts. I haven't been in your refrigerator, so relax. 
<laughs> Amen. I'll just say this. Him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Him that knoweth not to drink and still drinks, to him it is sin. Now, if you don't know to drink, stick around a while. Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess. But if you want to get intoxicated now, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. 120 of them were gathered there in the upper room. They got so full of the Holy Spirit, so drunk in the Holy Ghost, so happy that they went out on the streets walking and praising God. And the world took notice and said, these guys are loaded. Yeah, they were loaded all right. But Peter stood up and said, these are not drunken as you suppose, but this is that. Which was spoken by the prophet Joel. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'd rather have this is that by the prophet Joel than what old Jack Daniels got to offer me. Hey, Shalom Asoto. I'd rather have this is that than anything the world has. Are you listening to me? And so then we are commanded, if you will, to be baptized, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. My point today is this. If the early church needed a baptism in the Holy Spirit, even though they had been with Jesus for years, potentially memorized his sermons and witnessed his miracles, if they needed it, we need it. They needed more than just a touch on their lips. They needed flames of fire on their heads in filling them with dunamis power. Listen very carefully. Over and over again, and we're not going to take time to look at it today. Blessed is the preacher that knows when to stop. (laughs) You know what the Hagans told me? Brother Hagan and Ken Jr. were sitting there, and I shouldn't call him Ken Jr., Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth W. Hagan, were sitting there, and I was doing a sermon at one of their Christmas banquets. And Pastor Hagen stood up. I preached about 20, 25 minutes. He says, Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be asked back. <laughs> now, I don't mean to twist scriptures at all that Kenneth Hagen said, but I got one for you. Blessed are the short-winded preachers, for they shall come back. <laughs> now, listen very carefully. It is so absolutely interesting to me that when the Spirit of the Lord fell on the day of Pentecost, they spoke with tongues. In Cornelius' household, when they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke with tongues and magnified God. When Paul was prayed for to receive the Holy Ghost, Acts doesn't say that he spoke in other tongues, but in 1 Corinthians it says, I thank God I speak with tongues more than y'all. So evidently, He spoke with other tongues. And we're going to rehearse some of those things next week. And the other thing I want to rehearse next week is this. The absolute necessity for you to be in faith to receive. And then we're going to teach you by the grace of God how to yield to the Spirit when He comes upon you. Because I know that there's been people that have, have had some difficulty with that. And I know that sometimes, you know, the enemy tries to condemn people and say, well, you didn't speak in other tongues. 
You didn't speak in other tongues. I have advice for people that have been prayed for that haven't spoken in tongues yet. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Go home in the privacy of your own prayer closet and start praising God in English and praising God in English and praising God in English and then switch over into other tongues and I'll guarantee you God will help you to do it. But I am believing that next week, not only will people, everyone speak in tongues, but I'm believing that there's going to be some fresh fire falling. It's going to be some awesome things. Now listen very carefully just to a couple quotes. When people were baptized in the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church, the Bible says they all spoke in tongues. Many Christians get hung up on the matter of speaking in tongues because it seems strange. It actually is not strange at all. It is a very special form of prayer that any Christian can experience. When we pray in our heavenly prayer language, we are praising God and we are also are strengthening ourselves spiritually. He says this, Speaking in tongues help us to become mighty in the Spirit. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not something you've got to qualify for. Any Christian can ask and stands ready to receive it from the Lord. You can pray by yourself, or you can ask someone else to pray for you. Now listen, here's another question that comes into people's minds. They say, Pastor, I want to be prayed for, but do I have to speak in other tongues? No, you don't. The answer, of course, is no. You don't have to do it. But I always have had this attitude that I want everything that God has for me. So you don't have to, but you get to. Why would not all of us want every one of his blessings? And oftentimes it gets down to this point. Is how hungry for God are you? I've been hungry all my life for God. But I'm hungrier now than I've ever been. And I'm not just hungry for myself, but I'm hungry for America. Turn the TV on. Listen to the news. You know, I'm glad that the government is not upon the Republican shoulders, the Democrat shoulders. I'm glad the government is upon his shoulders, the body of Christ. But I'm hungry for an awakening in our church. I'm hungry for the sleepy to wake up. I'm hungry for a move of God in my life, in this church. And I'm not hungry for something that's fake. I'm not hungry for something that's not real. I'm not hungry for something that is man-made. Or for something that, 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 that comes as a result of flesh. Let's hunger for the true and living God. For an authentic move of God in our midst. Are you ready? Are you hungry? Say it with me, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for you, Lord. I'm hungry for the Holy Spirit. In my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? Hallelujah. Let your fire fall, Lord. Let your holiness prevail. Let your spirit. Move in our midst.